0: Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. This month we are walking through as we lead into the the election season. I don't know if you guys realize this, there's an election in about three weeks. Uh, Just in case you didn't know. Uh, and Facebook hasn't reminded you every single day that you need to be registered to vote. Um, but uh, every time I turn on a social app at this point, it's just like elbowing me. Hey, have you registered? It's like, dude, you know, you, you guys are spies. You know I'm registered. So the, the, <laughs> you know more about me than I know about me. Uh, but But, there is an election coming, and with that comes all of the emotions and the dialogue and debates and discussions and uh, i I was at a um, place recently, and uh, this guy that I know he I, I had him pegged for a communist because of his his uh, his his glassware that he carries his coffee cup mugs are all. Kind of communist manifesto stuff. And so I was just like, okay, that's where he's coming from. And then uh, he breaks into an argument with another guy that I know, and they start going at it. And I'm just sitting back, like sipping tea, like Kermit the Frog, you know, (laughs) and I'm just watching it take place. And it turns out, my the, the the communist guy is not communist at all he's a libertarian and you know <laughs> the thing that he's worked up about has nothing to do with communism and so i'm just sitting back like yeah this is going to be a fun month <laughs> you know just everybody flooding their opinions and what they want to happen in the world and uh and as we do that this series is really how for us as christ followers to set a tone set an example uh, to not go insane by it and to to really at the end of the day realize that Um, we have neighbors that we have to love and we have a gospel that we have to share and we have an example that we need to live and uh, there's a Jesus that we need to be able to communicate and and we can't do that if we buy into some of these other things and many of these other things, they end up uh, influencing us really because of a spiritual matter in our own human condition and that is idolatry. That is setting up idols in our lives and we don't realize that these idols have been set up but it's when the politician or it's when the marketer or the company, they go into our hearts and they grab a hold of an idol. And they say, hey, um, don't you know you deserve? Don't you know the world would be better if? Don't you know? And, and we go, wow, yeah, that really hits home. Well, why does it hit home? It hits home because we've made that thing an idol And when people can get a hold of our idols and and tell us that our idols might be shaken, our idols might be moved, when they tell us that, then we end up saying, you know what, I don't want my idol to be moved. I don't want my idol to be lost. I don't want my idol to be hurt. And then our emotions spring up because we're really trying to defend not a politician. We're not trying to defend a, a program. We're not trying to defend a philosophy What many of us ultimately are trying to defend is our own idols. And we say, man, I don't want that hurt for me. And so therefore, I'm going to get angry. And so what we want to look at is we want to do the work of saying, listen, everybody, you get out, make your voice heard. The question that you need to ask when you go to the poll is, how do I love my neighbor? What's best for my neighbors? And go to Jesus, pray, and answer that hit the button, pull the lever, fill in the block, whatever. But at the end of the day, we still need to love the person that didn't vote the way you did. We still need to care for the people that you work with that don't have the same philosophies. The scripture says that who are you if only you, you care about the people that already like you and that are already nice to you and that are already saying good things about you. How much better are you than the person that doesn't know me? And so God is very clear for us that what we need to worry about is not convincing everyone else. What we need to worry about is, do I have idols? Have I set up idolatry in my human heart? And if I have, am I willing to be brave enough and strong enough and confident enough in Jesus to give him th- those idols? As a reminder from last week, I, I reminded you, if we are not careful, prayerful, and thoughtful, we will find ourselves worshiping American idols the idols of the donkey, the idols of the elephant, we will find ourselves worshiping at other altars apart from Jesus. The scripture says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, can you say all? Above all else, that pretty much covers it, right? Above all else, what does it say? Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart. Pastor, you mean above my political preferences? Yeah. Above the injustices? I believe that my political opponents? Yeah. Above all else, everything else that you're going to be fascinated by, above everything else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. When we create idols, our hearts are idol factories. And when we're not worshiping Jesus, we are born worshipers and we're bound to worship something or someone. And our idol factory hearts, if they're not guarded, they're going to be producing activities and things and thoughts and emotions and feelings that that really lead us towards worshiping idols. And so we have to guard that idol factory. We have to guard our hearts and say, you know what, Lord, this is reserved for you. And I want the purity of you to come out. I want the holiness of you to come out. I want the love of Jesus to come out. I, I don't want these other things. And so I have to guard my heart. Many of us, when we read that guard your hearts, we think, yeah, i got to protect myself from all these bad people. No, no, no. you got to protect yourself from you. You're the most sinful person that you know. You don't know everybody else's deep dark sins. But you know yours. So you and I, we've got to worry. i got to worry about me. Above all else, guard your heart. It's active, it's intentional. This is not a passive engagement. Guarding cannot be something that you do on the side. When you have a guard, if you pay a guard, if you hire a guard, you, you want that person active and alert and awake and attentive and looking around and constantly moving and maneuvering. That's what a guard does. If Jesus has called us to guard our hearts, it's to be actively engaged and aware of what our hearts are doing. But many times in this American Idol situation that we have, and especially leading into three weeks more from a particular party, we let down our guard, and we start acting out of emotion, and we start speaking out of turn, and we start disrespecting people, and we really got to say, you know what, no, 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 My, my job is to guard my heart. How can I best do that? Guard your heart, for it's a wellspring of life. When we built the well in Kenya, I learned a lot more about well springs than I, than I really knew going in. And, and I'll tell you what, with the different, we've had several repairs that we've had to make on our well in Kenya. And, and, and in making those repairs, what you find out is, yeah, it's great to point to a water tank. And it's great to say, man, look at that water tank. And all these people get, get clean water. But I got news for you. Don't you realize that the water tank that we can see started as a well spring that you can't see? And, and all the problems that end up in that water tank started about 300 meters below the ground. They, they started way below. And so you and I, we've got to realize that, you know what? I can talk about the surface all day long. I can be an opponent of somebody all day long. I can get mad. I can get emotional. I can cry. I can do all kinds of stuff. I can accuse people of doing But at the end of the day, where does all that begin? Where does all my energy, where does all my emotion come from? It comes deep down in the wellspring of my heart. And it reveals that maybe that my idols are being played with and I don't want my idols to be played with. And so we're walking through the different idols that could come up and that we could guard our hearts. And then we can say, you know, I'm not going to act like that because I've got a bigger plan, an eternal plan here. And my eternal plan involves me loving my neighbor, no matter who they are, where they come from or what they're doing. My job is to love my neighbor. And if I'm not very loving, then what I really have to check is the wellspring of my heart. Do I have an idol that's being messed with? Matthew 6 speaks of today's idol. Today's idol I want to talk with you about is wealth. The idol of wealth. Last week we talked about safety, security, and how each party uses that to kind of move voters and move us and get us upset. Today I want to talk to you about wealth. Wealth is used in the same way by both political parties here in America. and Wealth is used as, as a club to kind of bully other people and, uh, and, and try to hurt other people. Let's talk about what Jesus talks about it. In verse uh, Matthew 6, verse 19, Scripture says, Do not, everybody say do not, do not, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't do that. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Why? Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your what? There your heart heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Also, if I'm to guard my heart, I have to look at my treasure. I have to look at my idol of wealth. How am I handling wealth? What do I think about resources? Because the scripture tells me that my heart is going to follow wherever I put resources. I joked the other day, a couple weeks ago, about how one of the best ways to lose a friend is to loan them money. Because the moment that you do, all of a sudden you care more about that slushy they got at 7-eleven you care more about the fact that they got that starbucks cup you're like man how do they afford a starbucks when they owe me 50 bucks right and and so when when our hearts start to care about things where we've put our investments where we've put our money where we put our resources And you know, it's true that the other way, if you want to care about something, maybe you say, listen, habitually, I'm not doing that, but I would like to. Do you know one way to care about something? Start making an investment. It's why that we ask you guys to invest in the GEM program and invest in Kenya. Why? Because we know from scripture, there's no way you can be seeing on your bank statements every month, $10, $20, $30 going over to Kenya. There's no way you could see that without caring about Kenya without caring about the teachers, without praying for those kids. And so part of our way to make sure we can't teleport everybody back and forth every week, but if we can say, hey, if you'll contribute, then we know your heart is going to be in it. So the scripture tells us, listen, guard your heart, but also where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And so when we talk about wealth, we have to ask ourselves, what is it about wealth that Jesus wants to teach us? First of all, write this down as a clarity point. Wealth isn't evil, but the love of wealth can become an idol. Wealth isn't evil, not at all, but the love of wealth can become an idol. You see, money itself is amoral. Money doesn't have morality on it the exchange of uh, before there was was money or capital there was an exchange of work and an exchange of products and so all throughout human history when you look back we found ways to get along in society and it was like hey I'm a farmer and you're a rancher and so hey let's trade or or hey you you know medicine and I know uh, you know horse and buggies I'll fix this if you'll do that and, and so The the money, the substance that we move around, that's amoral. It's what you do with it. It's how much you you think about it. It, it's, It's what you believe it'll get you or not get you. It's all of that that's at play. The treasure itself is just simply treasure. And I've seen godly, wealthy people. You heard a testimony this morning of that example. Wealthy people who are incredibly godly. Who would say, you know what, wow, just sitting, that person, I know that they walk with Jesus. I, I, I can just sense it among them. And yeah, they, they may be wealthy, but they walk with Jesus. And so I've seen godly, wealthy people. And I've also seen ungodly, poor people. I've seen people that are, don't have anything, but man, they also don't even have God. And I could go in the reverse. Some of the most godly people that I know are among the world's poorest. And some of the most evil people that I've ever seen have incredible amounts of wealth. But again, guarding our idolatrous heart, you have political parties that say, no, 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 there's only one way to view this. That person is this way because they have or have not. You even have churches and and people teaching religion that just go, well, if God's favor's on you, you're obviously wealthy. And if you're not wealthy, it must mean that you need to pray more, work harder, do something else. It can't possibly be there's another problem here. And as a result, we end up building an idol factory about wealth. We end up looking at at accumulating stuff in a negative way. Money is not the root of all evil. But as you'll read in a second, the love of money is. Left or right? millionaires and billionaires the left right the left screams hey terrible people these these really really wealthy people they're all terrible and the reason that you don't have anything is because they have it's funny one particular person that used that phrase all the time got a book deal became a certified millionaire and then everything i heard after that was those billionaires man they're really bad those billionaires (laughs) (laughs) I was like, huh, interesting, that changed Another party Hey, if you don't elect me, your four OKs in the tank You're going to see the biggest Great Depression you've ever seen This country's never seen a depression like what's going to come Unless you elect me You see how wealth is used as a, a tool, a club Hate those people that have If you don't elect me, you're not going to have anything. You're not going to be wealthy. The left, it's Park Place versus Scranton. The election is Park Place versus Scranton. The right, oh if you elect those guys, you're going to have to pay more in taxes. You're going to have to pay more. You're going to have to lose out so we can fund health care for, for kids. You you don't want that, do you? And both parties, they take this idol of wealth and they cajole you, they hit you, and they're like, wow, my, my idol of wealth is going to be attacked. What do I do now? But money is simply a tool. I've learned, especially as I've gotten older, when I was coming out of the inner city projects, and when I was going into college, and I was one of the probably the brokest person at my university, I was probably the most poor person at the university. I, I've learned over the years, as as gaining and not being as poor and having more stuff, what I've been able to see is as other people also uh, gain more resources, money. At the end of the day. It doesn't make you better or worse. It simply reveals whoever you were at the beginning. I've never seen the addition of money on a person's life and then all of a sudden their character got better. I've never met a person that they got a a pay raise and then it was like, wow, they are more moral. (laughs) All they were needing was that extra bump in pay. Then they quit, they quit cheating, they quit stealing, they quit hurting people, they quit lying. I mean, oh my gosh, it, it, when they got more money, they became a better person. It's like, no, we just got to do more of whatever it is our idol factory wanted to do. So money's just a tool. It just reveals to us things. Verse 6, but godliness... With contentment. Everybody say contentment. But godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. You want great gain? That's what Jesus is telling us. Go after godliness and contentment. So you might, you might make 24 grand a year. You might make 18. You might make 60, 70, 100. Whatever it is that you make. What you should be chasing is not the idol factory of wealth and stacking chips on chips. What you should be chasing is godliness with contentment. Lord, at whatever stage I'm in, when I'm a poor college student or where I'm a wealthy investor, at whatever stage in life that I'm in, can I pursue godliness? Can I pursue Jesus? Can I pursue being content in all things? Can I tell Jesus that he's great no matter what's going on in my life? Can I get there? Or do I chase the idol of wealth and I'm using the church or I'm using Jesus in order to get to my real idol? And I just figure if I play the church game, God will bless me. And so therefore what I'm really after is not just loving Jesus and knowing Jesus. I'm really after God's favor so he'll do more for me. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing, look what the scripture says, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and we have clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10. For the what? Love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. The evils that we see in society, the evils don't come just because of those issues. A lot of it is becoming because I just, I can. Some of our sin is simply because you don't have the opportunity. And pursuing resources or having resources often simply exposes the root that was already broken. You just now have opportunity to sin in that way. Look what it says. It is through this craving. Everybody say craving. 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 That's how God describes the, the pursuit, the idolatry of loving money, wanting to be rich, making that your end. This craving. That some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Many hurts have come simply because I want more and I haven't learned content and I haven't learned godliness and I haven't learned how to to love Jesus no matter what my circumstances are. All of my, my loving of Jesus comes when my circumstances line up and when everything sounds good and when everything looks good. Then I love Jesus more. The scripture says the opposite. We love Him, and we pursue godliness, and we pursue holiness. And as we pursue Jesus, then all these things can be added. But many of us are pursuing the whole, we want the whole kingdom pie before we'll decide to be godly or content. This craving. You see, wealth becomes an idol when it's an uncontrolled craving. I hope that's the word that sticks in your mind from today's message about wealth, craving. Do I have a craving that's unsatisfied? Because the reality is it's that craving that drives and pulls and tugs. It's that craving when, when a person says, hey, look at those millionaires, they're the evil ones. Why? Because of craving. I want what they have. Well, isn't that envy, jealousy, covetousness? Like we're breaking commandments out of the gate the moment that we say, hey, I want to satisfy that craving. And God says, listen, be satisfied in me. Be satisfied in me. Wealth becomes an idol when it's an uncontrolled craving. Some people go after drugs. Some people go after food. Some people go after sex. Some people go after money. It's this uncontrolled appetite to be satisfied in something other than God. And so we've got to be honest with ourselves. And we've got to say, you know what? My heart's an idol factory. Is it that I'm trying to get more? And is my pursuit of more causing me to miss what God's given me now? Am I not able to be content because I'm always looking for the next thing? Why don't I stop and celebrate the current thing? And if God wishes to bring about more next things and if my kindness towards others and if my work ethic and and if my investments play out and things, if other things happen in life and it becomes more great. But I'm going to be a good person and I'm going to be a loving person and I'm going to care about everybody around me and and I'm not going to set my heart up as an idle factory. Wealth can become an idol if I'm not careful. Then there's this this abrupt shift, it seems, in verse 22. Do you notice it? In verse 22, the scripture goes, the eye is the lamp of the body. It's like, hold on, how do we get into vision diagnostics here, bro? We're talking about wealth and money and the root of all evil. Love of money is root of all evil. And then all of a sudden, this verse just comes out of the blue, kind of history like whiplash. And you, and you read this, and even when some people teach it, they teach it completely dis, you know, uh, um, disassociated with the verses around it. And so people come in and they just start teaching us. Hey, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And now it feels like, where did we get a vision lesson as we're talking about wealth? That's so weird. And many times if we're teaching it just out of context, we're just going to be like, yeah, let's talk a lot about light and darkness in the eye. And you can, but is that the context in which he's speaking? The context in which he's speaking is this idea of wealth and loving money and how your cravings can just pull you in different directions. And then he says, hey, and the eye is the light of the body. And and, and if that light that you're supposed to be bringing in is actually darkness, You're going to ruin everything. So what is it getting at? Wealth is an idol when we idolize wealth. Wealth is an idol when we idolize wealth. When we're setting our eyes and we're setting our sights on on what other people have and on the stuff that we could have. And when we're constantly focusing in our attention. When we're focusing in our attention on this is what I want. This is what I'm after. This is precious. When we're doing that, we can find ourselves craving, idolizing, building up monuments. What what would I do if I have that? It's nice that they have that car out in the parking lot, but man, if I had that, you know what? I I would give everything to the poor. I, I in fact I'd probably be homeless. I wouldn't even take. I wouldn't. I mean, those look at those rich people. Why? Because I'm I'm filling my mind. And and you know what? About 20 years ago, our society started doing something awesome. Our society started to put television shows on on TV that maybe 30 years, 40 years ago now, lifestyles of the rich and famous. So So now, not only could you want what your neighbor wants and your neighbor only made 10 or 15 grand more than you, now you get to see... What the super wealthy have. And they'll walk you around and they'll show you their golden toilets. So now our eyes get to see not only just what somebody down the road might have, now, wow, man, I, I want that. And What does it do? It just brings in this darkness on us that causes us to constantly want, constantly compare constantly judge, constantly criticize, constantly believe that we're not enough. Then we have MTV Cribs. What's your favorite artist? Where do they live? Oh, wow. They have six pools. It's amazing. Oh, wow. Millionaire shows, millionaire listings. Wow. I wonder if I could have that. And when we're bringing in, when we're focused in on what other people have and other stuff and the accumulation of wealth, we're not able to enjoy what God's given us. We're not able to enjoy where we are and who we're with and the people that are sitting at your dining table at night because you're so consumed on what's next that you're missing what's now. Idolatry is a darkness, but all around us is a world that glamorizes this kind of darkness. The reality is is that voyeurism leads to envy, jealousy, jealousy, covetousness, we've got to ask ourselves serious questions like, where are we looking? Where are we looking? Where are we putting our eyes? Here's the truth. The kingdom of God needs people who can create wealth without making wealth an idol. The kingdom of God needs people. So if we villainize, we can't go around villainizing people that have the ability to make money or build businesses or, or create uh, wealth or come up with ideas. You can't go around villainizing People like that. What we have to all do is say, you know what, we're not going to make it an idol. So whether you have a lot and you're making money an idol, guess what? You can be broke and still make money an idol. Let's get out of this this us-them mentality where one side can tell you that the other side is wrong for, for this. Guess what? We're all wrong when we're holding on to wealth as being our idol. We're all wrong that way. Whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, you can be an idol builder of wealth. Let us look to the right examples. Let us not continue to fill our eyes with the vanity of pride, prideful wealth. You know what real wealth is? You look to the widow's mite. You look to stories like we heard this morning of CEOs of big companies that genuinely love giving away as much as possible. What we really should be looking at is what is real wealth? Real wealth is giving all you have For a God who has all of you. Giving all you have to a God who has all of you. And guess what? No matter what your income is, you can do that. If you're in your first job in your career, or if you're a 50-year veteran and you've got stock options, you can give all you have to the God that's given all of you. It concludes with this. No one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve. Everybody say serve. You cannot serve both God and money. We we can't be a servant of both. We're either going to condition ourselves to say, my life will serve Jesus, or my life will serve stuff. And oh, what a tragedy it is to build our lives on serving stuff. That is a lesser God. That's why we call it an idol. Don't give your life over to serving stuff, serving socioeconomics, serving. The beautiful thing about wealth, let me real quick, just for those of you that might be in that middle area wealth is not what you take home, wealth is what you keep. When people build wealth, they're building what they're keeping. There are people who make 50 grand more than you that every month are keeping less than you. And we're cycled into this game where it's like, what I, I've got to make this number. And some of you are so focused on that. You're just like, I've got to make that number. No, you don't. You just need to not spend all of that number. Because there are people that are making a number way bigger than your number, but they're blowing through it. Why? Because they want the craving. And the craving and the feeling of success and the feeling of joy and the feeling of, look what I can do, that is what is killing them. And you're thinking to play the game, you need to make that number. You don't need to make that number. You can make a far lesser number and just be disciplined and fall in love with Jesus and be content with what he's given you. And at the end of every month, you can still be putting more money away. That's building wealth. But if you are given what this world is selling you and saying, you know what you got to do? You got to pursue that bigger number all the time. Then you're going to miss out on Jesus. You're going to miss out on contentment. You're going to be idolizing this idea that America tells me I've got to do this. You don't. Get a passport, go to Kenya, you're going to find far more happier people there than you do here. If making a number is what brought you joy, then, then, then we would be so much happier than the third world. But so many people in the third world are happier than us because they get it. They, they're not craving all the time. They're just like, today I'm going to get up and I'm going to work and I'm going to get some dinner and I'm going to bring dinner home and all the way I'm going to kick rocks and play games and have fun with my friends. But I'm not going to be given over to this consumerism that just drives me, this feeling of pressure from my parents and family and extended family, this idea of what I'm watching on TV that I've got to achieve more. And when I give in to all of that, I'm missing out on Jesus because I feel like a failure and I feel like that I haven't made it. But you know when you've made it? The scripture says, when you have godliness and contentment, then you have great gain. Godliness and contentment. And if you can give all of Jesus all that you are, I don't care if you make 18 grand a year in this room, or you make 180 or 2 million a year on your investments. At the end of the day, do you have godliness with contentment? We have to learn, church, how to build wealth without believing that wealth is going to build you. You have to learn how to build wealth without believing that wealth is going to build you. Wealth itself will make you no different. It'll just give you more opportunities to show off who you really are. But if you can say, God, I'm pursuing godliness. I'm pursuing contentment. I'm worshiping Jesus and not this idol. I'm not giving in to the American idols around me. I don't care what you make. Because that person who's doing that, the Bible says they're the ones who have great gain. And I'd rather be mid-level content than to be uber wealthy, constantly wanting more. And there are people out there who God has blessed them, and they have great resource. They're not evil. And there are people that are incredibly poor in the world's eyes. They're not evil, they're not lazy. Maybe they've learned the secret of contentment and they decided to stop running the race. But wherever we are on all that, can we do each other a favor and say, you know what? I'm not going to make wealth an idol anymore. And I'm not going to let somebody tell me how to vote based on what they'll do with my wealth idol. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pursue godliness and contentment. And if Jesus wants to put me in certain spheres, He'll do it. If He wants to move me over here, He'll do it. But I'm pursuing godliness with contentment Every single day of my life. And I'm going to love my neighbor in the process. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you also for the testimony you gave us this morning. Just of uh, wealthy people that that are investing in um, those that, that are in need. And I pray, God, that you would allow each one of us to be a Shadrach. You would allow each one of us to to listen to you, to be humble before you, and to say yes to what you've called us to. God, I pray that each one of us, as we're dealing with the issue of resources and money, I pray, God, that what we would do is we would not make it an idol, that, God, we would only worship you and not stuff. Father, I pray, God, that as we do that, that the world can see in us a heart that is godly and content, no matter where we are. And God, at times you'll, you'll bring blessing and, of resource, at times you're going to bring a blessing of people, um, but whatever it is that you bring into our life, God, I just pray that we can be content, and I, can pray, I pray that we would pursue you. God, the reality is some of us in this room, no matter how much we have, some of us are just not generous people, and I pray God that you would help us to be more generous, help us to let go, help us to crush the idol by giving away. And Father, I pray that as we do that, the world would be better because your children take the lead in love. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being generous to us. May we turn our heart's attention towards you. Let us destroy the American idols. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Can we thank God for His word this morning? Come on.